Factor Files podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. And today we are breaking the format because we are not doing an issue of X Factor. Even though that's what we're known for. Yeah. And, and named for. Both. And we are actually going to throw it back to one of our characters' origins today. So we are actually going to dive into giant-sized Fantastic Four issue four from February of 1975, and this is the first appearance of Jamie Madrox. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, X-Men fans are familiar with at least the term giant size because that's where the new X-Men team came out. or First debuted. Yes. Um, and Storm and Colossus and... Yes, and uh, Giant Size was a Marvel line-wide sort of gimmick. They would come out quarterly in the mid-70s. So there were Giant Size X-Men, Giant Size Fantastic Four, Giant Size Avengers, Giant Size Man-Thing, which is my favorite iteration. I'm just going to leave that one there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So one of the issues of Giant Size Avengers was the wedding of the Vision and the Scarlet Witch. So... Uh Um, and obviously the X-Men issue was really big with the new team. So uh, some of them had really great stuff. So they were really long issues. They, this one is advertised as 68 pages and, but we're not doing the whole thing because the second half of the issue is the first time the Fantastic Four encountered the X-Men. So we're going to cover sort of why that's connected beyond Madrox. And our friend Chad from Great Malkin Lane recently covered it. I remember seeing this post on the Instagrams. Yeah. So, um, shout out to Chad. Shout out to Chad. Um, hi, Chad. I hope you're listening right now in the future. Um, we just got back from seeing Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. So, we can throw spoilers here because this isn't coming out for like almost two weeks after. So,. Um, what do you think of it? It was fine. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I... When I saw the runtime was only two hours, I was super surprised. I thought it was just a placeholder time, because we're so used to Marvel movies that are so long. And I think we sort of swung to the way extreme with Endgame and Infinity War, where it was like four-hour epics. Yeah. And... Two hours seems comparatively tame, but it they did everything they needed to do. Yeah, like it followed a certain arc, but not that great an arc, because you could see where it was going. Oh yeah, like if you didn't, I mean, we're going to spoil this, so um, skip ahead a few minutes if you want to not hear spoilers, so we'll give you time right now. You are forewarned. Alright, so if you're still here, we're just going to spoil the shit out of things. If you didn't know that Jane Foster was going to die. Um, And I knew the storyline from the comics and everything. I haven't read it, but I knew that Jane Foster in the comics had cancer. And I didn't know that they would go so heavy so quickly. But that's probably why Natalie Portman came back. She was lured back like, let's give your character closure. And you don't have to do more than one film. And you'll get to be a badass hero. Which was really cool. I love seeing Mighty Thor. Yeah, and she's like, the name is not Lady Thor. Yeah. You can call me the Mighty Thor. 
Or if that doesn't work, you can call me Dr. Jane Foster. Not Jane Fonda. Not Jane Jodie Foster, either. Yeah, so... Um, so there's a lot of like tonal shifts between like super funny light moments and then like some more heavy some moments. Some super tragic moments. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Um, I am so excited that Hercules is in the MCU somehow. I mean, he was in the first post credit scene. Yeah. As like a villain that will probably turn into a hero. Well, yeah. Which we have seen before with others. Well, that's how Hercules came about. In the comics in the 60s. He was originally an adversary of Thor. Oh. Yeah, his first appearance is him and Thor getting in a fight. So... Did Thor win that one? Because it was a later later issue involving Hercules, it came about that their first encounter, Hercules handily defeated Thor. When Thor was young and brash. I would have to go back and read it, and it's actually an issue I wanted to get for a while, and... Now that he's in the MCU, like, that price is going to be sky high on that Hercules first appearance. Like, I'm going to have to wait forever at this point to ever get that issue. It's true. Um, But I am happy because I had a gut feeling. There have been rumblings that Hercules will come around one day. And as soon as I heard that Zeus was involved in this movie, I hopped on getting some issues of The Incredible Hercules, that run that we've been reading electronically. Oh, because I thought this would be nice to have issues of. Super glad I did that last week before the movie came out. Because I'm sure I would not have gotten it as cheaply as I did. Because Hercules the, and Amadeus Cho are friends, right? Yes, that's the incredible Hercules run. Oh, when that's he, fun. When he takes over for Hulk. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, comics, I mean, the speculation in the market is so high every time someone comes out in a show or a movie all of their issues are like super inflated prices Mm. where it's like i could have gotten something like this dirt cheap a great example is west coast avengers and the first appearance of white vision so as soon as wandavision happened that issue was super expensive like a hundred dollars for that one issue for the first appearance of the white vision oof because he showed up as that version in WandaVision. Right. Like, it. that arc is okay. It's not $100 for that one issue okay <laughs> at all. Um, it's weird how the comics market is based off of first appearances and that being, like, the thing that people strive for. And it's like, eh. Like, most of the first appearances aren't that great. Another example, connecting to X-Factor when we were at a comic show, was, I think it's issue six of the first volume of X-Factor. Oh, the first appearance of Apocalypse, right? Yes. And it's just crazy inflated, where it was like $70 for that issue. And I'm, it's not the Apocalypse that we know now. I mean... He's undergone some evolution over, the, over time. Yes. And... People most fondly remember him from, like, the animated series or Age of Apocalypse, not, like, a random X-Factor issue. So, comics are weird. The comics market is weird. And, I mean, there was a scene that everyone was agog over with a mostly naked Chris Hemsworth looking super hunky. Yes. I mean... You can skip... We can skip over the drooling over him. Yeah. I mean, he looked good the entire movie. Yes. You can tell that he trained the hell out of his body. Yeah. Like, when he is naked, and it's just showing him from, like, 
the waist up. Yes, yeah. like the taper of his body is crazy. Like, like super cut, must have been super... Hungry? Yeah, or whatever it is that bodybuilders do, like they eat chips and drink a lot of water or something before. Something about the salt makes things more prominent. Um, It can I, help push the abs out. Like it makes you bloat slightly. Oh. So then it pushes everything out to make it look good. Yeah, that was a lot. And then everyone on the dais with Zeus fainting. <laughs> like, uh Yeah, I, it went a little too far sometimes with some of the comedy. Like, I feel Ragnarok was good with its use of comedy. And you have Taika Waititi, who is what we do in the shadows and things like that. I think his... Uh, some of the stuff being over is really funny. I find it funnier when he's a bit more subtle with it. Yeah. So I think he leaned in to doing this movie and being comedic and having Korg around a lot. We, is this one of the more overt queer appearances, but is it really queer that Korg's parents are... They're all, I think it's all males. His right. race is all male. So it's not even yeah queer. No. It's just like one gender for the species. Right. At which point, why bother it's not with gender. pronouns? Yeah. So. Yeah. I felt that way about the Asari in Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. There's only one gender. No. So, it, overall, fun movie. I mean, it really... It, I got emotional whiplash a couple times from just, like, super sad moments. And then, like, oh, and, and we're back. We're did, back to comedy. Did you get character whiplash from Thor? Like, sometimes Which being... Thor? Chris Hemsworth Thor. Hmm. Being, like, silly and, like, himbo-ish, and then having, like, a very emotionally, not fraught, intelligent moment. Yeah. And then going back to being clueless again. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of that back and forth, which is, I guess, on brand for Thor, but it's not really a great thing that that's the defining feature for me of Thor. Like, his personality keeps changing. Yeah. I think that the writing was a bit more unsteady for this film. Ragnarok was super tight, and we all loved it because it was a novelty. Like, Thor had not been like that in the MCU before Ragnarok. Because his first movie was okay. Dark World is amongst the worst. Yeah. And uh, this one, I think it's a solid middle, like... I'm not going to rewatch it a lot. Ragnarok, I love rewatching, just having it in the background. Mm. But um, this one, eh, I'll get the Blu ray so I can yeah. rewatch it and have the digital code. But yeah, we'll see where this goes. I San Diego Comic Con is in a few weeks, and I really hope that they pull through on the promise to roll out sort of what this phase of films is even about because I'm not seeing. The unifying thread yet. And it's really tough because Doctor Strange was so different from this. And I'm not seeing yeah. connective tissue between the two. Like, the, there's no Infinity Stone threat yeah. tying it all together. And especially because those two, these two movies are... They're established characters. You're not having to do an origin story. Like, stop. Like, Eternals was an origin story. So you have to introduce them and get them to a place in the MCU where they can continue on 
both Doctor Strange and Thor are continuations of their overall story arcs. And it's not giving us anything more for the whole of this phase, so... Yeah, we don't even get, like, the continuation of the Mighty Thor. Yeah. So, like, versus you get America Chavez, you get White Vision from WandaVision. Yeah. So... Yeah, and uh, the shows I haven't been super invested in. I haven't seen any of Ms. Marvel... I still have only seen the first episode of Moon Knight. Uh, and I saw the first two of Moon Knight, and that's it. So, Dear listener, are they worth it? Are you enjoying them? Right. Let us know. Because... We need your input. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, it it's a big meh for both of them. Yeah. From a couple people I've talked to. So, that's a little disappointing. I think they're diluting the pool a little too much with stuff that we can't see how it pertains. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, this issue... February 1975. Not 45. Not 45. No, we were still in the midst of World War II then. Yeah. So, uh, the song on the charts, You're No Good by Linda Ronstadt. You love Linda. I do love Linda Ronstadt. Number one song, February 1975. I was late for a kickball mm-hmm. game. I was captaining because we went to the Linda movie. And I cried. Yes. Yeah. It's just so sad she can't sing anymore. But she has a bazillion album, so, like, you can basically find a Linda song that fits your niche. Because she's like, I'm going to make the music that I like. Yeah. And you can't tell me otherwise, and she did. Yeah, and it, I found that she was really similar in that respect um, to Elvis, seeing the recent Elvis movie, because Elvis didn't really write his own music either. Oh. So uh, they're very similar in that they take songs and they interpret them for themselves. And Elvis at one point was like, I'm doing gospel because I want to do gospel because I'm Elvis and I can. Linda, very similarly, like when she got successful, she Mm. had more creative pull and she's like, no, I'm going to make a song all in Spanish. So album. Yes. Did I say song? Yes. I meant album. She's like, I'm doing this because I want to, and you're going to distribute it. And everyone at the record company was like, well, I guess, okay. And it was like the best-selling Spanish-language album of all time. Not even the Macarena has beaten it. Really? I think. Oh. I'm just putting it out there. Well, let's hope that that manifests yes. to reality. Uh, yeah. Um, movies... There were two top movies in February of 1975. One of them that dominated for like a month and a half was The Towering Inferno. It's a disaster film. Never seen it. The mid-70s loved a good disaster film. The Poseidon Adventure. I was going to ask about that one. um, Towering Inferno. Airport. Airport 75. Airport 70. Like, that's what Airplane the comedy film was spoofing. Oh, I thought it was just a funny movie. Oh, no. They're spoofing Airport, which I've never seen any of the airports. Oh. But I love Airplane. <laughs> um, and the TV, I didn't dive into, like, this specific month. But just to give you a flavor of what was in the top ten shows in this entire year. Oh, wait. What was the other movie, though? Oh, the other movie. Young Frankenstein. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So, like, this is pretty much my jam. Like, February 1975 seems pretty solid. Yeah. You love Young Frankenstein. Madeline Kahn. What a queen. Yeah. TV. So, our top ten. It is mostly sitcoms. We have a couple dramas. So, the top show of the year is All in the Family. Oh. Which, 
tackled social issues, but also, like, in a very... Oh, you could not get away with that shit on TV now. Is that the Archie Bunker one? Yes. Oh, so that used to be on reruns, and there was an episode I watched where the matriarch was assaulted, and then the daughter was trying yes. to convince her to report, come, report and come forward, yep. and it was very well done. Yeah, Edith. I was so surprised. Edith Bunker. Yeah. 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 They they did good stuff, but it was like, your protagonist is a racist asshole. Yeah. So, um, also we have Happy Days in the Top Ten, along with its spinoff, Laverne and Shirley. I didn't know that was a spinoff. Oh, yeah. Happy Days spun off so much. Just like All in the Family did. Um... Really? Yeah. Oh. Oh, because Maude came from All in the Family. Maude is in the top ten. Oh. Yeah. Good As is Phyllis. Phyllis Diller's comedy. Oh. Sanford and Son. Awesome. The Six Million Dollar Man. Rhoda. Spinoff of Twin Cities favorite, Mary Tyler Moore Show. Oh. And something called Rich Man, Poor Man. Oh, never heard of it. It is a miniseries. I don't know. Tackling income inequality? The only miniseries I really know from the 70s is Roots. And I guess if there is one miniseries you should know from the 70s, it's Roots. With LeVar Burton. That's 70s? Not 80s? I think it's 70s. Like, late 70s. Like, 79. Oh. Yeah. I remember having to watch that in middle school, and it was like a series of days where the teacher would just have that TV, the giant tube TV on a cart. On a cart. That's like strapped down so it doesn't fall. With like the cord wrapper around the entire shelf? Yes. Yeah. And the VCR. So like plug in that Roots tape that's been around for like 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Roots. It definitely was super weird when TVs were in the corners of classrooms. Yeah. And no longer on a cart. Yeah, the mounts. Like, yeah. why are there TVs in every single classroom? Unnecessary. Yeah. All right, this issue, we're going to dive into it. So it's Fantastic Four, and we're opening, it's a big splash page. It has Thing in a fur coat. Like, he's got these shoes, he's got the baggy pants, he's got this big fur coat that looks like it's straight out of a Barbara Stanwyck movie. Yeah, it, to me, yeah, a a scarf, scarf. a cane, he's carrying like a cane. Is it Alicia's cane? Maybe it's Alicia's cane. So he is with Alicia Masters. Yes. His girlfriend. She is the blind sculptress. She has a matching scarf. Is that scarf. a matching scarf? Yeah, because they're going to a football game. A football game. No, thank you. And there's a and good for her for being a... Well, maybe she's the football fan. Well, he definitely is. Yeah. We find out in dialogue. Maybe she's just being a supportive girlfriend. What patience. Yeah. So uh, they are trying to get on the subway, and it's pulling away, and instead of waiting four minutes for the next train, Thing (laughs) rips that shit open. Yeah. Dude. How long have you had your powers? I know, and... And how long have you lived in New York? Like, those announcements that get out of the door, the doors are closing. Yeah. Wait for the next train. Yes. We were tourists and we got that. Yes. I don't understand. This is a big question I have for people who were reading comics back then. Because Thing gets his own series 
for years and years and years. Is he that compelling a character? Or it's Marvel he... two in one. It is always Thing and a guest star. Oh, so he relies on the guest star. Sort of, but like it's so bizarre. Thing was on par before Wolverine was a big thing. It was Thing as the thing as the thing for marvel it's so weird so anyway he rips his car open and he's like oh rita will pay for it does that mean that the thing is in like seven different comics at once he uh, no uh so he did marvel two in one and was off doing his own thing around the time that she hulk was on the fantastic four instead of him so like he took a leave oh like sue storm is I did not know that Sue Storm was on a leave and then Medusa was in her spot. Anyway, he rips the door off the car. Everyone's looking and Alicia is rightfully so perturbed. Yeah, she's like, why the fuck did you do that? Benjamin. (laughs) Would it help if I told you I was sorry? Nope. So then they flash to getting onto a new train. Because did that old train? They probably had to evacuate it, shunt it, pro- it off on some like repair line, and it probably screwed up the whole schedule. Like he was trying to be like, "Oh, we're gonna miss kickoff or whatever it is in football," and then like, how much later are they? Because he was a fuckwad. You have very strong feelings about the thing. I, I like the thing, sometimes. I. Don't like it when established characters do silly things with their powers. Mm-hmm. So we're on the same page about the thing. Yes. So they're on the train, all of a sudden, lurch. It's a great onomatopoeia. It is. And the conductor goes through, and thing is like, what kind of, oh, what is happening on this? Maybe not quite in the Alyssa Edwards. What exactly is happening up in here in this, <laughs> in this moment in time? And there's someone on the tracks. Yeah, someone's blocking the train tracks. And the thing is, like, I cannot wait for this dude to get off. Like, these youths that are messing up the train, playing chicken or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to clear them off the track with my fists, because that's the only thing I know how to do. Because we have to get to this football game. Because of a football game. Yeah. Not a great look. The whole football thing is sort of like the things on a monopoeia when he sees what's on the track and he's like, huh, I just don't, I don't get the sports ball. And then after a couple ad pages, you flip and you see Madrox. It's multiple man in his suit. Yeah. And it is a good, I mean, I hate cowls. Yeah. I feel like Gambit is the only one that can pull off a cowl that well. Mm. Maybe Havoc. Yeah. Um, But... The design, like the color, the yellow dots and circles, I like that. Yeah. And it makes sense for like how his later designs yeah. came through. Like his t-shirts. Yeah. In what we're reading. Yeah. And he's glowing. He's glowing. That threw me off. So uh, I read this issue and I'm like, why is he surrounded by this yellow... Aura. Yeah. And Yeah. He is uh, standing there, and he looks like an eight. He's supposed to be twenty-one, and he looks aged. He does. They didn't know how to draw like young adults. Yeah, and he poor Madrox. He's like, hey, he sees Ben Grimm on the top of this train. Like, hey, user, 
what you doing? And Madrox is like, oh, you're like me. You're different. And Thing is like, I'm gonna fuck you up. Like, football. It's clobbering time. It's clobbering time indeed. And he doesn't even ask, like... He already fucked up this day by tearing a train car open. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to waste this person. I'm going to beat the fuck out of them. And... And... It's just such a... It's weird. It's like hyper-masculine... Yeah, toxic mask. Like, I'm not going to ask you any questions or, like, investigate you. You are different. You are holding up my... Yeah leisurely activity therefore i'm going to punch you in the face yeah like such bullshit so what he's clobber it's clobber in time he throws off the fur coat which you would never do no to a fur coat. he should have handed it off to alicia for safekeeping yeah he goes it's clobber in time and i hope it's not real fur oh uh, yeah yeah our bun buns are so soft um, fur is murder yeah so uh, also asked to the rescue bun side note update um, she figured out how to do the copyright symbol on Daryl Dad's computer. Yeah, she climbed on the computer and somehow typed the copyright symbol into a username box for Dropbox about 50 times. I don't even know how to do that. But Me she, neither. She figured out how to do it, though. Yes. She's a very smart bun. She got her spay. She got most of her fur clods combed out instead of shaved off, which yeah. is nice. And we just saw her cleaning her tail, which she has not been able to do in a while. So. Yeah, since we've had her. So so the updates are all good. Yeah. She's sleepily eating hay. It is the middle of the afternoon as we're recording this, so that's their normal nap time anyway. Yes. Anyway, there's a spack as Thing tries to punch Madrox, who just wanted to talk. He did. Just wanted to find someone else who was different. And this field is protecting him and the thing is like i'm going to punch you full power and then it goes from a spack to a thwam and we get our first duplication yeah i mean this is an old used comic there's a little cigarette ash or something that had fallen on this panel it's a odd discoloration oh or maybe a bug died in there like just smashed you never know that's, with old comics. That's graphic for a graphic novel. Har har. Hmm. But the it's still like golden sort of wavy images. So that's kind of cool how they kept that when they did the Madrox miniseries with mm. that golden whooshing. Yeah. I feel like this is the 70s version of golden whooshing. And, and both of them then punch Ben Grimm with a plam. Yeah. It's sort of like in seventh grade when you're learning about cell division and hmm. the different stages of a cell and you get the... I think it's anaphase where the chromosomes are pulling apart and you it's very mm. that in yeah. the image which is super fun oh what did we say the creative team for this where is it i don't think we did oh it so uh, right the writer and editor is len ween the co-writer is chris claremont of this issue so chris claremont co-created mad rocks oh yeah that's fun yeah and the art is by John Busima and Seastone. Oh, and Joe Sinnott are the illustrators. And, oh, there's a... Letterer by Jay Constanza and colorist is Glennis Ween. Oh, well, good for them. 
But yeah, I it definitely stuck out to me when I saw that, and I'm like, Chris Claremont created co-created multiple men, and I had no clue. Oh, I wonder if they're related to Len Wein, who is the writer editor. Ooh. So now we get to they punched the thing off the tracks. Yes. And with a thwoom, he lands in the sidewalk. And so Jamie is very powerful right now. Yeah, he is. He's super powerful. And he's kind of goes back and forth between super hunky and then like, uh, what's his face? Kane in Batman? Bane. Bane. Where it's just like, oh, yeah. you, you've got the hun- henchman hunch oh. of stodginess. Um, so the thing grabs some trash cans. So, and- which are nearby. I guess they stopped right at a platform. Thankfully. Yeah. Everyone else can either get off and get to a new train, maybe? Yeah, because this train is not going anywhere quick. No. And with a splang, the trash cans hit the two Madroxes. They fall to the ground, and what happens? They multiply! We get four! And then... They beat the crap out of them. Yeah, they do. And then there are more. Then two more manifest. Probably because he tried to punch them again. Yeah. So there's so six. There's six, and they beat the shit out of thing. With a splang, they throw him into a light pole. Mm-hmm. On Tyson Street. So, and then thing passes out. Yeah. He, that... he gets all woozy. We get his perspective as he's looking up at all these dupes looking down at him, and he blacks out. Yeah. It's a fun stars thing. And then he uh, comes to, he's seeing sort of the same color. Stars, woozy, generic figures. He throws a fist up, but it's Reed Richards who stops his fist. It's Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. And Johnny Storm. And Medusa. Yay, Medusa. I don't know anything about her besides she's the queen of Adelan. Yeah. And her hair. And her hair. And... What is this Madrox? And they're trying to figure it out. And uh, the Fantastic Four, this is like their crime of the week that they're trying to solve. And they're like, well, you you seem to have gotten the shit punched out of you. Uh, So it's powerful, whoever this Madrox is. Yeah. But Thing loves football so much he has to do an aside to find out how the Jets game went. Oh. And apparently it didn't go great, because he's like, great, that's two awful things that happened in one day. Mm. Something, something, sports ball, something, something. And uh, Reed has been tracking these power fluctuations in the city, and they seem to be traveling. They're blips. Yeah, and they're traveling in the direction of the Baxter building. Yeah. There is a... Blackout alarm? Metropolitan power alarm, that's what it was. Mm. That's going off. Um, Parts of the city are starting to shut down. And I guess that's an old throwback because they're like, oh, we haven't heard about this gizmo in a long time. Mm -hmm. And so the situation's growing critical. No idea is what's happening. And the pulses appeared around the same time as you battled Madrox. Which was six and a half hours ago. That's how... Thoroughly, he they, was beaten. Yeah. So, they're tracking these power fluctuations, and at this point, when I'm reading this comic, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, the the Jamie we know just, he doesn't have anything to do with power, 
or pulling it or anything like that. So right, it's nothing... a big is a big mystery to me. Because he can take in. We just know it's various forms of energy when he creates a dupe, mostly kinetic, thud onomatopoeia type energies. Right. So, we it kept me interested. I wanted to read more because I'm familiar with his current iteration. And like, why is this happening? Yeah. So we get some voiceover boxes, basically, as we see Madrox walking through the streets. In his fun little glowy green uniform. Yes. And... and we get flashbacks to his origin. Yeah. And we've seen some of this. Yes, we've seen the farm. We've seen his parents. And... We knew he duplicated when he got spanked in the butt. Yeah, I didn't realize that they grabbed babies by the ankles upside down. I think this is just a generalized thing from back then. That's how they represented, like, this is how everyone's born. And yeah, there's a name of some sort of test for babies on, like, three components of their health. So thankfully they don't slap babies anymore. So he looks around. He's never been to a city before. He was born September 7th. Oh, we have a birthday for him now. Oh. 1953. Oh, well, with a sliding time scale, that's probably, like, 1992 at this point or something. Oh, Yeah. Well, wait, he's supposed to be 21. In this issue. In this issue. So if we, like, transpose it and we're like, this issue is happening in the current day, he would have been born in 2001. Oh, no. <laughs> or 2000. Oh, no. September. Yeah. So He's a millennial baby. <laughs> he's a millennium baby. So once they realize that he's very different, his parents resign from Los Alamos and go to Kansas where they're never heard from again from the scientific community wise mm. they're just living their lives on a farm like you do yeah except they don't have people over they don't interact with anyone else yeah apparently he's like never seen other people only his parents it's odd and right yeah it seems like mild child abuse like yeah. not socializing your child yeah he, Jamie grew up without any friends save his parents and why does he have to wear this funny suit? It's not funny, Jamie. It's special. A special suit for my special son. And it makes sense now that there's something tied to his powers and the suit, which is why when we had that flashback with one of the trips... Yes, he was a like little Jamie, like eight-year-old Jamie in a suit. Yeah. Still was an awful cowl. But good on Peter David. He obviously went back. Yeah. And had a good understanding of the character. And even brought forward the freak tornado that swept across the farm one humid July afternoon. Yeah. And when the storm had passed, Jamie Madrox was an orphan. And he kept working the farm because he didn't know what else to do. But he did it all alone for five years. Okay, so he had to have encountered other people. How's he getting gas for that tractor he's riding? I don't know. No. Like, how do you get... Like, he's not growing all of that food that he needs to survive. Are, is he speaking to the farm animals? Are I those his know. friends? Is it like a... Dr. Doolittle situation? I don't know. So, But he does have a TV because we find out that this glowing field around him started when he went on to change the channel on this TV. And it flared. It, the power flayed him alive. Sounds very painful. Yeah, and we know... 
from where we currently are in X Factor that he's not a mutant entirely. He's something older. So what is he something older and a mutant? Because usually mutant powers manifest themselves around this time. I mean, that's one of the lingering questions of X Factor that we have right yeah. now that we don't really know. So maybe this is his latent mutant power that's coming about with this TV. It has destroyed every electronic appliance in the house. Yeah. And with that, like, he's alone, he's scared, he suddenly starts traveling. But, like, walking traveling. Yeah, he walked across the whole heartland. Which is, like, the actual Midwest. Yeah. When people say Midwest, they're like, that means Ohio. No. No. Or some people who are like, oh, Western Pennsylvania counts as the Midwest. And you're like, no, it doesn't. What? Like, in 1848, maybe. Yeah. So. Take your Zachary Taylor ass out of here with your (laughs) hot takes on what the Midwest is. Yeah. So actual prairies in the actual middle of the country. He walked across all of it. Well, that's To get to New York. Yeah. And he didn't find anyone different. On his travels. I mean, he's heading in the right direction. That's where the mutants are. Because there's something drawing him to a particular building, which we know is the Baxter building. And we don't know why. No. Will we learn why? Let's continue. He must go to it. Only that he only knows that it calls to him. And maybe there's someone who can help him. And the voiceover, then again, maybe not. Because it's Reed Richards looking at something. And the energy pulse is growing geometrically? Like, like what shape is it? Maybe it went from a circle to, to a, a triangle. Oh. And then to a square. And <laughs> then to a pentagon. Growing, that's what growing geometrically may be. If you're a regular shape, you get one additional side. <laughs> and then you're back to a circle eventually. So... Reed exclaims, if it is Madrox, he's absorbing the city's energy at an incredible rate. We have to find a way to stop him. And then the power goes out in the Baxter building. And they're like, the killer's inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) And the emergency generators are down, and the flaming torch goes off half-cocked. Do you mean the human torch? What did I say? The flaming torch. (laughs) (laughs) He's too heterosexual to be a flaming torch. True. And he just melts his way through the ceiling. Like, mm. if this is your base, don't you have a reasonable exit? There has to be a hatch. Like, you don't have to How melt are you your getting the fantastic car out of the garage? Like, there's a hatch. Right? Press the, the garage door open button. Like, Johnny, he on. just flies through the ceiling, causing who knows what sort of damage. And he, Madrox is like, what? Another who is different like me? Maybe you can help me. I'm Madrox. And the Human Torch is like... I'm a dick. I'm going to light you on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you're asking me for help. And, like, Madrox is clearly in pain. He's saying, like, the flames are tearing me apart. And also, he's, like, super powerful from all of this electric absorption. It's very strange. Um, and Johnny's like, I just fired a warning flare, but he's screaming like I hit him with a Nova Blast. And... He, he might says, have a skin condition where, like, it hurts to touch. He's been wearing that suit for... His entire 20... life, it must stink so bad. <laughs> he just walked halfway across the country and it, like... It's a lot of sweat and grime. He probably smells terrible. Is there a hatch for pooping? 
there has to be like some of those little yellow connecty things are just seams okay like a union suit <laughs> that he can unbutton and flaming torch is like look buddy i don't want to hurt you did you I'm see like... flaming torch again <laughs> <laughs> probably human torch human torch cannot get his story straight he's like i don't want to hurt you but i'm still letting you on fire and it's like Maybe you should listen to the person before you light them on fire. Yeah, maybe pause a little, Johnny, and listen. Open your ears, you asshole. Yeah, but he opens himself up for a punch instead that he flew straight into. Yeah. And he has an orange suit, which is... Yeah, his suit matches flames. Yeah, they did an outfit change Yeah, for the Fantastic Four. And Reed saves him. Ugh, the Fantastic Four are just not great... I'm having feelings about them. I really like the John Byrne Fantastic Four. Do they actually talk to people before they start harming them? It's been a few years since I read it, but that's when She-Hulk's on the team. Oh. Like... We stand She-Hulk. And John Byrne Fantastic Four was one of my first two comic issues that I ever got from a flea market. It's the one where they're debating about killing Hitler. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Heavy content for, like, eight-year-old me. I'm like, oh, this looks fun. (laughs) (laughs) Let's murder this dude. And um, so then throughout the course of the fight, we're getting multiple men. Yeah. The thing goes back in. He tries another thoom punch and multiple man multiplies again to no one's surprise. The French call it deja vu, the unescapable feeling of having experienced something in some previous time, AKA like 15 pages ago. Mm. And so they're battling. They Keep creating more dupe, dupes. Medusa slams one down with her hair that looks like it should have killed him. Mm. And there's just a bunch. And they're all very powerful. Yeah, the Fantastic Four are fighting a losing battle. Yeah. And the whole city has gone dark by now. Yes. Which. So Jamie has absorbed all of this electricity. And they're trying to come up with a plan. And Reed is trying to, like, wrap up as many as he can in his body and appendages. Right, because he has figured out that hitting creates more. Yes. Impacts create more. Until, finally, who should descend from the heavens? From a helicopter. It's a levitating Professor X. This was ridiculous. Like, I was reading this in bed the other night, and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, all of a sudden, it's Charles Xavier... Floating down in his wheelchair. In a beam, like... In a beam that is his own making. He is doing this with his powers. Which I think he just lifted it from some genius's brain someplace else and then created it himself. Yeah. With other people's knowledge and skills. But also, Star Trek, the original series, did they have tractor beams? I feel like they did. They did. So... It does look like a... It's a tractor beam illustration, sort of. It looks like that. Right. It's the inspiration for this this panel. But But, call him... But if you want, you can call him Professor X. The dean of a most exclusive school in Westchester and renowned expert on the subject of mutants. So, in case people had not read X-Men, because right around the time this was coming out, they were rebooting it. So it had been in reprints and canceled. 
Oh. So, so this is this is the time of the cancellation that you hear about with X-Men. This is when they're rebooting. Yes. So this is like just coming out, relaunching, reintroducing audiences to who Professor X is. So this is probably another way yeah. for them to uh, get people to read the Uncanny X-Men as it is relaunched. Got it. Which is why there is an issue devoted to... The crossover. Yes. Sell those issues. Yes. And um, it's weird because Madrox also has another power. He nullifies. I think whatever is pulling power from the city's power grid is has also depowered this beam. So oh. partway through, Professor X descending in a very deus ex machina moment, um, the beam fails and he drafts his pass- passenger hard. Yeah, and... Uh... And then and there's Professor a weak... X is going ass over tea kettle, just falling. And there's a panel where Madrox sort of recognizes him, but has a real funky expression on his face. Yeah, he's like, I know who that is. Do I? So the thing catches Professor X, recaptures it... the chair. Yeah, like in one smooth motion, and like... Reunites them. Yes, like throws Professor X into his wheelchair. And Professor X is very nonplussed. He's like, oh, Reed, there you are. Let me talk to you. <laughs> Just don't acknowledge the fall. Yeah. And gets down to business. Like, years ago, I knew his father, and it was my suggestion that they move to Kansas. From New Mexico. And then, I didn't hear from them for a while, so I thought, shit must be going wrong. Yeah. Uh, Well, Cerebro told him that Mandrox was in New York. Charles. That was five years ago. You're half a decade behind on what happened to Madrox's family. Yeah. And, and you just decided to do something when he was in your neighborhood. Yeah. That's like... You couldn't tell that this... You couldn't, like, fly out there in the X-Jet and be like, Oh, I'm so sorry your parents passed away in this weird tornado. Why don't you come to my school? Instead, he's like... I'll just wait until he's in the area, and then I'll, like, catch up and be like, so how's life going? Do we know if all the writers are New York-based who don't know how tornadoes work? Yes. At this time, when you worked at Marvel, you worked in New York City. Were they from that area? Because when they talk about the tornado going through and the parents dying, the parents are lying in their beds in a... in Like, the house has not been destroyed. Yeah. There is no, like swath of devastation okay so this is uh, for anyone on the east coast i lived and worked on the east coast for a while and there was a tornado that came through one they don't have sirens what (laughs) yeah Uh, two no one knows what to do at all like there's no training you don't have tornado drills so everyone was like what do i do i'm like get down to the lowest floor interior room and when i went to school on the west coast and worked out there like they were nonplussed by earthquakes, which Earth mm-hmm. is not supposed to move like that. But, rem- but didn't have anything, any clue about tornadoes. But the guidance on tornadoes changed. If you remember when we were kids, there was a big push. To get in the bathroom and put a mattress on top no, of No, the big push I'm talking about is do not waste time going around your house to open the windows when there's a tornado warning. What? Yes, because the theory was oh, pre- the, the pressure. pressure would change and your house would explode. The pressure difference would be so great that it would demolish your house. So the guidance for a while was, when there's a tornado warning, open as many 
windows as possible so the air pressure is the same outside as it is in and people fucking died because they were wasting time opening windows and a tornado hit their house so we went to different schools like when we learned about it it was get either to a basement or a bathroom and put the mattress i'm not talking about school i'm talking about they would talk about it on tv oh they when it would be like the local nbc affiliate and ken barlow who was the weatherman, they would say, do not waste time opening your windows. Go down. Like, those beginning-of-the-season public service announcements, like, you need to think about weather safety. Look at you paying attention to those things. But that was one of them. Like, hammering home. (laughs) Don't run around. Don't waste time. Get yourself to safety. It was just, like, that panel was also quite strange. I know. But yes, this stuff, definitely, they... They don't understand how cyclones work. And, Twister. And so Professor X is like, I'm a friend of your parents. And when the dupes is like, my parents are dead. Like, <laughs> you can't have been that great a friend if you didn't know that. And left me on a farm for five years all by myself. It's not wrong. And so Medusa saves Professor X from this dupe by creating another one. And... The dupes are all pissed. They're all sort of protecting Madrox Prime. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Professor X is like, yeah, that suit hasn't been t- surfaced in five years. That's what happened. So That's why his powers are out of control. So he has, he used to take it off once in a while, it sounds like, so the suit could be serviced. Also, he grew. Or upgraded. Right. Yes. So... Uh, were his parents obviously they were smart they were scientists yeah so, so they knew how to do it and yeah it's what well, control node has burned out i don't know so there's some weird shit there like, is there, it, it is gobbledygook in here right it's like it's here's not an written... explanation and you're like that actually doesn't explain anything but thank you <laughs> Is that what comics was? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, that's what Star Trek was. I so. mean, what does Demanda Martini say? If it doesn't make sense, just drink. Like, <laughs> it, you're not supposed to be piecing everything together so minutely, but this shit. Like, right. when you're really reading it, you're like, what? what? Oh, okay, like, I guess I'll go along with this. So they have to get to Madrox Prime, turn off the malfunctioning controller unit, which apparently is one of the circles on his suit. Oh. And they have to do it without creating more dupes. And they have to try. So then the Fantastic Four are, like, going in on him again. Uh, but there are so many dupes that they're they're neutralizing the Fantastic Four pretty effectively. Yeah. To the point of, like, holding on to Johnny Storm when he is at his white hottest. Yeah. And somehow Medusa's hair is not helpful. I, yeah. I mean, she could probably strangle those dupes. She could. And Reed is somehow incapacitated. It takes like four of these hunkier Madroxes to hold the thing down. Mm-hmm. And what, who's left? Professor X. Who. In is... a series of alarming close ups on panel, <laughs> like a series of four where it's like zooming in on his Joan Crawford fucking eyebrows. Like the eyebrows get higher, his eyes get wider. He. There's. I don't know, those lines of force, like, from around his head. Yeah. And it's really not 
a good look for him. No, he he looks as crazy as we actually think he is. Because delicately, he quote-unquote feels for the minds of Mandrox's duplicates, senses them, enters them. His psionic, his psychic energy sifting the primal essence of their identical personalities, penetrating to the very core of their beings and snuffing them out. Yeah, um... That's straight-up murder. It's murder, and I'm not surprised. Like... Going back to what Alicia from The Ex-Wife says a lot of the time, like, he's just straight up going in and doing terrible shit to people. Which, I'm glad that that's called out in the latest Legion of X book, which I think might be my favorite. Oh. Your favorite series that's out right now? Either that or Knights of X. Knights of X is ending. What? It just got started. It's ending after issue five. Why? Who knows? Oh, no. Yeah, Teeny announced it in her newsletter last week. Oh, no. Yeah, where it's like, well, we're ending with issue five, but I'm not done with Captain Britain yet. Like, are they going back to Excalibur as a title? And if so, like, why? I thought this reboot of, like, instead of Way of X, Legion of X, and instead of... Yes. I don't know. So apparently we're getting more Captain Britain, Betsy. Cool. Which is great, but yeah, they're ending. Uh, yeah. The current structure of the comics, there's a vision, I don't know what it is, and... It's like it's, they're not given a chance to thrive. Yes. It's, like, that's weird. Okay. I mean, back then, in this issue, they are given X-Men like a fucking decade to thrive. They're like, oh, it's not really working. And Chad, again, to mention Gray Malkin Lane, putting in God's work... Hi, Chad. ...to review all of those classic issues and you can see where he currently is like they are trying anything to get sales like they're even like shrinking x-men on the cover and being like oh the big letters on this one are cyclops and marvel girl so you think it's like a a one-off issue for them like they're trying anything so because professor x and his creepy ass eyebrows are not selling issues no they're killing dupes is what they're doing yeah and they sort of regroup, and it's just Madrox Prime that's left. And in a very paternal, like, sorry, son. But with your duplicates, you're pretty easy to deal with. And he does something on one of the circles on his back, and Madrox collapses. And the dupes are gone. The dupes have disappeared. Yep. So, I don't know if they just haven't figured out the reabsorption process I yet. I don't think so yet, but... Because that was done off-panel. Yeah. And, yeah. Basically, Professor X floats off into the sunset with an unconscious Madrox. He's like, "Uh, oh, I'll take this trash with me. (laughs) Like, poor Jamie. Yeah. He just wants help. This was against... He had... Jamie gave consent for none of this. Yeah. He's like, can you help me? And instead he gets beat up. Yes. And his duplicates straight up murdered by Professor X. Yeah. Which, maybe in the 70s they didn't have the Professor X can just sort of, like, freeze people? Yeah. Hold them in stasis? Yeah. Ugh. But it was an interesting issue to see where Madrox came from, how he was originally conceived as a character. I'm really glad that I picked this up. I think it's going in my X-Factor box. And the, the... Outfit has stayed consistent. Yeah, surprisingly so. Like, 
even in X Factor in the 90s, like, it's a variation of this. I mean, I have the action figure in the trench coat up on the shelf there next to Havoc. And, with the, and with he has, the like, the cowl. circle and uh, everything. In, so. in Morrison's new X-Men, there he's based in Paris for a time. Um, and so when we meet Phantom X, maybe for the first time, mm-hmm. they... Um, investigate this tunnel thing also again professor x sort of co-opting jamie and his abilities Mm. but he has that same sort of look then too different from the rest of the members of the team interesting yeah so it was a fun little uh, detour that we took yeah i mean i'm glad that i wrote it or read it i didn't i rode that wave of fantastic four being jerks Mm. yeah we need to get you a good fantastic four issue to read because you've also read, like, the recent stuff where they're, like, Franklin Richards. And they invade and, Krakoa. Yeah. And I don't know. You have some big feelings. I do. About what? I don't like unlikable characters. And I feel, I mean, Fantastic Four, if we're talking about, like, going back to my childhood, I would watch the X-Men animated series Saturday mornings once in a while, like... I remember watching it. We played X-Men on the playground. But the one I really remember watching a lot was actually the Fantastic Four animated series. I don't remember that one. It's like... I remember Spider-Man for sure. Spider-Man, yes. That too. Fantastic Four had one season. And I did appreciate when Madam Web plopped Spider-Man someplace else and Mm -hmm. he grabbed like Sue Storm and Storm and others to help him. That was fun. So the Fantastic Four animated series is a lot of fun. It actually has the best depiction of the Inhumans oh. on screen. Like, it's way better than that live-action series from ABC. Oh, shade. Which, I mean, there's a lot that's better than that. But um, I was all in on Fantastic Four growing up. Oh. Yeah. Like, Human Torch was my favorite Marvel character. So... Yeah, I... I need likable characters to be invested in their development. Yeah. And, like, shows like The Challenge, where they're all awful people, like, I just I can't yeah. get into that. 70s Fantastic Four. I I want to look up sales data. Like, obviously, it was still chugging along and selling enough. Yeah, and selling enough to be a vehicle for the X-Men to get them introduced yeah, and make because, that a thing. Exactly. So, yeah, fun little detour. Um I recommend people just read it for the fun of it. So I'm sure it's on Marvel Unlimited. People look it up. Again, it is Giant Size Fantastic Four, issue four. First appearance of Mad Rocks. Yeah. Um, and let us know. So check in with us. We're on Instagram. We're X Factor Files Podcast. Give us your thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And next week we should be back with our regularly scheduled programming, which is another issue of X Factor. So thanks for joining us and we will catch you next time.